0: Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Hank, and uh, uh, Pastor Brian is uh, taking a break for a couple of weeks, and so he's asked if I would uh, fill the pulpit for him while he's gone. Uh, He and Ellen will be celebrating their uh, anniversary and uh, having a a little break. So we're uh, grateful for him and his ministry and glad that he can have a way to get away with his family. So uh, today we're going to be celebrating communion, and the whole service this morning is going to be about that. We are going to be uh, talking about uh, the Lord instituting uh, this and uh, kind of our response and how we should be responding and thinking through uh, each of these things. So uh, today I'm going to start, uh, in, if you have your Bibles and want to read along, I'm going to be starting with the instructions that Jesus gave to the disciples Uh And we're going to look at the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses uh, 14 to 23. And uh, let me read that for you, and uh, we'll uh, pick up uh, some of the things that he has to say. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And likewise the cup, after he had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. I hope that as I read that and as you read along, that you really kind of get the solemnness of this and yes, the determination that there was in Jesus uh, speaking to them about what he knew was ahead and what he was going to be doing. And uh, it's a significant uh, portion of scripture. It is an, actually a, a transitional uh, time in uh, the life of Christ and the life uh, that we now have in him. And so as we do this, we, we need to make sure that we are uh, understanding what he is saying and what is going on at that particular time. One of the things that always strikes me as I read this is that he knew that his betrayer was there at the table with him as he's giving this. And yet you don't see him saying, and he's going to do this, but rather he is very clear that uh, the one is here that he's going to be betray me. So first we're going to start with the bread. And uh, he takes the bread, and that represents his broken body. And when we think about a uh, broken body, um, uh, I'm sorry, Davis is not working. If you would do that for me. When we think of the broken body, um, Jesus makes it, is making it clear that he knows that he is going to be suffering, that he is going to be uh, beaten, and uh, he is going to suffer. There's going to be a consequence of the betrayal uh, he is allowing himself to go through this. One of the things, again, as I, as whenever I read this, you know, my mind goes to he could have called in all of the angels and they would have come in and dispersed people and nobody could have touched him. But he has chosen to be obedient to the Father and to go through this and to go uh, through this period of time uh, and to suffer for us. The instructions here are very clear that he's going to suffer physically. Uh, broken body means that he's going to suffer physically. He is uh, taken. Uh, he's going to be abused. He's going to be uh, just treated horribly, a, a, a way that, that we can't even imagine today uh, of how he was going to be treated and, and abused. Um, and he knows what's going to happen. You, you, as we read this, you can read it, that he understands, he knows what's ahead. You know, he's aware that he is going to suffer. Uh, Suffer here means that he is going to be physically abused, beaten. And he's saying, uh, I'm going to go through this. And he's determined and he proceeds. He also makes it clear that he is uh, aware that it is not going to be a pleasant thing. Uh, I often think about as I uh, read this scripture, as I prepare and think about something like this, that, you know, we, we kind of think about his death as, or even his suffering as something that he is really uh, hesitant to go through. And yet you don't pick that up at all here. When he's in the garden after this and he's praying to the father, he's saying, father, if it's possible, take this from me but not my will, but yours be done. And I think about that a lot of times, and I think about the fact that, you know, uh, Jesus knows he was there in the beginning in in the creation, so he knows that this time is going to be just a flash. But he also knows that for the first time since before the creation of the world, he is going to be experiencing sin, our sin being poured out upon him. And I believe that that is the part that he does not want to have to deal with. I think the 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 part of the death, I think he recognizes that that, you know, it's going to be horrible, but I can go through this. But taking our sins upon him was overwhelming for him to think about because he had never experienced sin. Well, we see that, you know, as Jesus is reclining at the table and he And he takes the uh, bread and he um, says that this represents my body that's going to be broken. It's going to suffer. And he uh, recognizes what is ahead of him. When we look at this and it talks about the cup, you think about what he's talking about there. He's talking about the cup represents, and I've got, what we're gonna be using here in a little while, I've got the cup and that, just a little bit of of juice in there, but that represents his very life blood that is going to be poured out of him. He's going to, to lose all of his blood. The blood is what keeps us alive. But the blessing of the blood that we don't always think about or maybe even talk about, the blood represents a new covenant. A, a, a transition from the old covenant that had been given to the Jews to a new covenant that is for all who would believe in Jesus Christ. And that was, that was foretold back in Jeremiah chapter 31, where it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, my covenant that they broke, We all break the covenant, don't we? For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Jesus is talking about shedding his blood, which will bring a new covenant, the new covenant that is based upon his finished work upon that cross where Jesus was hung and he died for our sins. And that new covenant is something that he is telling them is coming It has been told before that it was going to happen, but that new covenant means you're not going to have to follow all those rules and regulations that we read about in the Old Testament. Those are going to be done away with. You couldn't keep them anyway. So God, in his amazing love and amazing grace, says, look, you guys couldn't handle the rules. You couldn't follow them. So I'm going to push those aside and I'm going to make a new covenant with you. And this new covenant in my blood is a covenant of promise that if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have eternal life. They were working at trying to have eternal life, and God is saying that I'm going to send you one because you can't handle it. If you think of of what I read there uh, from Jeremiah, he's saying even the Jews, though they tried and tried and tried, could not... Uh, do it. So, okay, I guess this is possibly working again. It's not working. Sorry. If somebody else, if you want to just bring some up. Um, so the new covenant is our salvation by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, where he hung, had our sins poured out upon him and brought us the new covenant of salvation that he talked about in John fourteen six where he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying that there's only one way for us to have eternal life, to be able to be with God in heaven, and that's through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so when he's sitting there and he's teaching them those things, he knows what's ahead of him. He knows that he's gonna suffer. He knows that he's gonna experience sin. He knows that his body is gonna be broken. And there is a, a certain amount of solemnness that you can pick up here. There's kind of that, you know, especially when he talks about even one of you who are here at the table with me is going to betray me. You can almost get kind of a sense that, you know, I've worked with you, I've, I've taught you, I've tried to help you, but one of you, one of my disciples, one of my followers, one who has spent three years going around being taught by me, is going to betray me and we know that 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 had already happened right we already know that that one of his disciples had already gone and make made arrangements to uh, betray him and uh, he uh, does not condemn that man and I think about that and I think that's amazing uh, if, if I thought that one of you here was going to to betray me and do something you know I I would, I'd be like trying to talk to you like, wait a minute, why are you doing, you know what I mean? You, you, you would try to discourage that, but you don't get that from this. Jesus is saying, hey, I know you're going to do this, and you're going to pay a consequence for it. But he doesn't say, Judas, don't go and do this. It just says one of you here is going to betray me. And I think... You know, as we think about those things, and we think about where he was at that point, and and who he is teaching, and what's kind of going on, it, it can be something that's that's very uh, difficult sometimes to maybe grasp the significance of all of the things that are going on. And I think that sometimes when when we read scripture, we just kind of read through things and we don't always slow down and 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 really grasp what's going on. And whenever I come to the, the issue of, the, the the thing with communion, I have to slow myself down and really think about, you know, this is a, a significant transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. And it's a very solemn and important thing that is being taught here. But you would think that the early church would have gotten all of that, right? And that they would have uh, gone and they would have done it correctly with the right attitude, the right spirit, wouldn't you? But if you have your Bibles, you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll see that Paul is addressing the Corinthians church first Corinthians 11 beginning of verse 17 Paul is addressing here a problem an issue within the church he's addressing the fact that they were not doing this with the right attitude they weren't being humble and submissive they weren't recognizing the the importance of this new covenant but rather they were making it almost like a party time like you know, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to be a glutton. I'm just going to eat all of the food and all of the things that are provided. And, and Paul says here, he says, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. And it, that had been addressed in chapter 1 here of First 1 Corinthians. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are uh, genuine among you may be recognized. And I think the idea there is, you know, if there's a if there's a question and you're going to debate it and discuss it, go ahead and do that. It, it's okay to have differing opinions on uh, maybe what the scripture is talking about or how do you interpret or do those things. It's okay. But when you do it, do it with the right spirit, the right attitude, and come to a conclusion that is correct and accurate with the word of God. It says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper that you eat, for in eating, each one of you goes ahead with his own meal. In other words, they would come together as we are, and you're going to partake of the elements, but some would come in and they just start to eat. And they weren't really being solemn and sincere and thinking through all of what's involved. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. What he's saying is, you're basically... When we're coming together for communion, you're basically making it a a party time and a time where you're going to just come in and do whatever you want. And and this is the church. And as a church, they were supposed to come together with the right attitude, the right spirit. And they're supposed to approach these elements recognizing what Jesus had taught that I read to you earlier. That This represents a solemn thing where, where he was abused physically. He was hung on that cross and died. This is something that you need to Approach having the communion together with that right attitude. That's what Paul is trying to tell them here. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a, it's a, a remembrance. So when we partake of the elements and we break the, you know, and we take the bread, we're remembering that that represents Jesus Christ's broken body. And you've heard me say before, one of the things when I think of Jesus' broken body, you know when he's arrested and and, and he's falsely accused and falsely convicted and he's taken out and and the the people who are there, they, they made a crown and they put it on his head and they had staffs and they were hitting him with it. They were beating him. And it was, you can imagine hitting that crown of thorns and hitting that and pushing it down into his skull. Can you imagine how horrible that would be? And they're beating his body over and over and over again. And they're spitting on him. They're slapping him and ma- ridiculing him and making fun of him. So when it says, do this in remembrance of me, we're remembering all of that. We're remembering all that he went through and what he has done for us as individuals. In the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this and as do this as often as you drink it. I'm sorry I skipped through that. I'm going to redo it. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So it's not like just take the cup and guzzle it down but but when you take it, and I, and I would challenge you today to do this, when you take it, think through that this blood represents Jesus' very life. It represents, it's not his blood, but it represents his blood, which was his very life that he gave up for us. He allowed his life to be taken to bring us forgiveness. For as often as you drink this bread and, I'm sorry, eat this bread and drink the cup, But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So there, so then, brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I will give direction when I come. So today, as we uh, are participating in this, we have to slow down and remember a few things that the Lord has given to them through Paul, as he's saying. So first thing he's saying is, there should be no divisions among you. And I talked to you about that a little bit. In other words, if you have disputes, if you have disagreements, come together, resolve those, take care of those. But there should be no divisions. There should be no uh, anger toward other people. If you have something against somebody else, or you know they have something against you and, and, and it's an unresolved issue, scripture tells us, go to that brother or sister and make it right. Do whatever it takes to resolve that issue before you come and participate in these elements. Second he says we're to do it together uh, you, you know I think I was when I was preparing this, I was thinking about you who are joining us uh, on the live stream and I was thinking you're doing it together with us if you're participating this morning. we are together we're doing this as brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we're we're joined together to partic- participate in these elements and to recognize what they stand for and thirdly we are to welcome one another and then we become one and the idea here is you who are here with us are welcome to participate when the elements are passed if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior we would love to have you participate if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior if you've never made that decision we would ask that you would pass the elements They are for believers. This is a believer's uh, time of celebrating and worshiping together and participating uh, in the communion together. One of the things that, again, reading through what Paul writes, is you get the sense that he's really talking to them about their attitude, that we are to have the right attitude toward one another, and toward God, and toward the elements that we are partaking of. And so when we are together, make sure that you pause, have the right attitude, the right spirit, and that you care for other people. It's an important, significant time. And as I said, you know, there's times I can remember even when I would come and, you know, many years ago, especially as a newer Christian, I would come and and I really didn't totally understand what Jesus was talking about. When we, would, when we would partake of the elements and I would take the bread and it was like, oh, okay, it's a piece of bread and we're doing this together. Or it's the cup and oh, we're just you know drinking something. But this is a solemn time of remembrance and Jesus instructed his disciples to pass that on. And he said, whenever you come together to do this remember these things i believe that's true for us today when we come here together we're remembering what jesus christ did for us i will uh, lead us in a word of prayer uh, for the for the bread and so would you just uh, please bow and join me in a word of prayer as we pray for the the bread that's been passed out lord god i thank you for your body which was broken for us. Lord, we we remember that you are a God who loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world and that Jesus hung upon that cross and died and bore our sins. And so Lord, as we think of the broken body of Jesus Christ, help us to remember humbly that you are an amazing and awesome God. Jesus, it's hard for me to get my head around the fact that you would leave heaven, that beautiful, perfect place, to come here to earth, to suffer as you did, to allow your body to be broken as it was. Lord, that demonstrates such amazing love and grace that the God of heaven, God the Son, would leave heaven To come here even for someone like me and to allow your body to be broken jesus as i think of the bread i think of how abused you were physically as people came and hit you and struck you with with staffs and put that crown of thorns and pushed it down onto your head and and you could have stopped it we know that but instead you humbly went to that cross to die to bring us this new covenant, the covenant of hope and promise of eternity spent with you in heaven because of your finished work. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the bread which represents your broken body. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Lord, your word also tells us that you gave up your very lifeblood and this cup that we're about to partake of represents that shed blood Lord I'm also reminded that as your blood was leaving your body that our sins that we commit even today were being poured out upon you you who had never experienced sin at all suddenly had our sins pushed upon you poured out horrible sins that you would never have even considered committing were poured on you you bore those sins in this new covenant so that we don't have to bear them but rather you took the consequences so I'm grateful Jesus when you taught us that you are the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through you we believe that we trust that And that's why as we partake of the cup, we recognize that it represents your very lifeblood poured out for those of us who are sinners and do not deserve it. Again, thank you for that amazing grace, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So he took the cup and gave thanks and he drank it. Join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, I am grateful for the bread and the cup. Lord, help us to always come with the right spirit and attitude that we would not be like the church that Paul wrote to in Corinth, but rather, Lord, that we would be the church that humbly bows before you in recognition that it's only because of your finished work on that cross when you died You were buried dead in that grave, but praise your name that after three days you rose back to life again. We're grateful, Lord, that over the next 40 days you were seen by hundreds of people who could give testimony and witness to the fact that the one who had died on that cross did not stay dead, but rather was raised back to life again. And as we partake of these elements, we're reminded of that amazing, amazing love and grace that is demonstrated as we partake of the elements. Lord God, be glorified, we pray, in the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.